down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the stream. I'm Robin Hawkins, and you're listening to Watered Down Women. Hoping to be free, found a new home in the cemetery. In every single culture, each language is filled with a number of cliches. Our parents used them when we were young, and now we share them with our own children. I was thinking about the word itself and decided to explore its meaning and origins. According to the website vocabulary.com, cliché is a 19th century word borrowed from the French that refers to something that's become so overused that it loses its original meaning or effectiveness. And according to the Collins Dictionary, cliches are so commonplace, they have become trite or boring. Some examples of familiar cliches are, all that glitters isn't gold, or fit as a fiddle, and the ever popular only time will tell. Two common cliches that are meant to offer encouragement are the best is yet to come and it can only go up from here. When a typical person reaches the absolute rock bottom point in his or her life, those phrases would typically apply. But I think we can agree by now that Alifair Chauffeur was not your typical person. And looking back over her life, we've learned that her father was beaten to death, her mom died of cancer at a very young age. She ran away from an orphanage, lived in a brothel, and was held prisoner and nearly died in an underground pit all before the age of 22. Given the number of these harrowing events, one might assume that her life could only get better from here, but that assumption would be terribly wrong. When the case of John Smith Hall ended in his guilty plea and life sentence for the rape, abduction, and imprisonment of Alifair, she was free to leave the home of many minutes and move on with her life. When the news broke of her abduction, it made national headlines and word quickly spread to her family members. The details aren't clear as to how they were reunited. Either Alifair's oldest sister Marie returned to Kentucky to retrieve her baby sister or Alifair traveled by bus to her, but in late spring of 1952, Alifair Chauffeur was living in Ecorse, Michigan with her sister Marie. By this time in our nation's history, life for the average American was on the upswing. Despite the war that was happening in Korea, 
many families in the United States were showing signs of prosperity. The traditional worker earned $3,400 per year. Three out of five families owned a car. Two out of three homes had a telephone, and one in three homes had a television. Technology was soaring in radio and television as NBC launched its Today Show, and Chevrolet introduced its prototype for a convertible sports car called the Corvette. And when her father died in February of 1952, Elizabeth II became head of the Commonwealth and was crowned the following year. Although life was rapidly advancing for most families, both globally and in the United States, the world of Alifair Chauffeur seemed to be accelerating at a snail's pace. She, along with Sister Marie and her family, spent a month or so in Michigan and then joined Sarah and her family in Mansfield, Ohio. At that time, it was early summer in 1952. A very pregnant Sarah Adkins, her husband, and their six children were residing in a one-room house owned by Sarah's sister-in-law. With the addition of Alifair and Sister Marie's family, which was now down to only two sons, because Marie had given away her remaining two daughters, there were over a dozen people residing in a single-room dwelling that lacked any form of indoor plumbing. This living situation was brief because within the week, Alifair, her sisters, and several relatives of Sarah's husband, Henry Adkins, left their little Kentucky neighborhood and headed north to the cherry orchards in Clyde, Ohio, in search of work, even though they knew it was seasonal and would only be temporary. The caravan of relation, which included women and children, settled at a campsite. They pitched their tents and made beds using straw and old blankets because the seasonal migrants were housed in the farm's cabins. Life was extremely difficult for the entire clan as the adults worked in the orchards and the older kids cared for the younger children. Alifair was left at the campsite to help care for the children, but she often wandered across the highway to what was known by some as the hobo camp and referred to by others as the band of gypsies. The picking season progressed, and on August 5, 1952, Sarah left the orchard and was taken to a nearby hospital where she gave birth to twin girls. When she and the newborns returned to their family, the migrant workers had moved on further north, allowing the Atkins family to move into the cabins. Sarah was quite pleased with their new quarters, which provided a more comfortable environment 
for the postpartum mother who was now nursing two infants. To say times were tough would be quite the understatement. Now, with over a dozen children in total and enduring long hours of backbreaking work in the hot sun, with minimal food and limited amounts of water, the circumstances began to take a toll on everyone. Alifair grew tired of helping with all the kids, none of which belonged to her, and she began spending more and more time at the opposing campsite. She entered into a relationship with the leader of the group of gypsies and told him that she was being taken advantage of and mistreated by the adults in her camp. As the story goes, the head of the band of gypsies sent word to the Atkins family that he and his men were planning to brawl with them at week's end because of their mistreatment of Alifair. When the day arrived, the gypsy men began drinking before early afternoon. By nightfall, when the altercation was set to take place, their leader was at the front of the group, followed by his entourage. It's reported that as they crossed the divided highway, he was struck and killed by a passing truck, which put an end to the skirmish before it even started. A saddened and defeated Alifair was forced to return to her family and resume her childcare duties. As the harvest season began to wind down, one of Henry and Sarah's newborn daughters became quite ill. Sarah returned with her to the hospital and at barely two months of age, Darlene Jean Adkins, twin sister to Arlene Jane, died at the hospital in Bellevue, Ohio. Their final day at the orchard was the last time that all three sisters would ever be together. When their goodbyes were said, the various families headed out in different directions as a couple of the men started working in a local factory and others returned to Mansfield's Little Kentucky area. But Alifair returned to Michigan with her oldest sister, Marie. One of Sarah's daughters shared that looking back to that time, she realized it was actually her own family that led the nomadic life of gypsies moving from state to state and town to town. But even though their impoverished lives in Mansfield's North End were difficult, at least they had settled down in one place and their own family had stayed together. Sadly, the same couldn't be said for Marie and Alifair. It was at this point that the details of Alifair's chauffeur's life became mired, as her communication with her relatives became less and less frequent. Marie finally returned to Ohio and told her family that Alifair married a man she knew for only a short time 
and moved with him to Baltimore, Maryland. She said that Alifair's husband convinced her to change her name, which she did, and with that, Alifair's chauffeur became known as Alice Fay Rudisil. Evidently, the honeymoon didn't last long because within a few months, Sarah received a letter from her younger sister stating that her new husband had committed her into a mental institution. Sarah and Marie corresponded with her, sending letters and care packages. And in one of the letters they received from her, Alifair confided that she was impregnated by one of the doctors on staff at the institution. After receiving that correspondence, neither of her sisters ever heard from her again. In that neither sister had the financial means to travel to Maryland, nor the knowledge to contact the local authorities to check on her whereabouts, Alifair gradually faded out of their lives, and her tragic life became the subject of stories passed down through the generations of chauffeur descendants. At this point in the saga, we'll bring closure to the tale of Alifair Chauffeur and her sisters. The eldest, Julia Marie Chauffeur May Quig Dameron, gave away four of her six children, but maintained communication with two of her sons up until her death of cancer at the age of 51. She was buried in a remote field on a farm in Lodi, Ohio. Next, for over 60 years, her life was an enigma and her whereabouts a mystery. But today, due to the advances in technology and communication, answers have been provided and we can now report that Alifair Chauffeur, also known as Alifair Chaffins, also known as Alice Faye Rudisil, passed away in 1980. Her journey from an underground pit in Kentucky to a mental institution in Maryland ended at a rest home for the indigent and mentally impaired in North Carolina. Alifair Schofer died all alone at the age of 51 due to complications from septicemia and bronchopneumonia. A graveside service was held with no one in attendance except for a local preacher who officiated her internment. There's still one sister whom we haven't had closure for, and that's because there is so much more to tell of her story. Sarah Schofer Adkins is one of nine women who shared a heartbreaking commonality in what was known as Little Kentucky's 
Summer of Sorrow. Next week, you'll need to roll up your sleeves because we'll have a lot of digging to do in this tragedy. Water down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the stream. Grab a shovel and join me each Monday as we dig a little deeper and uncover the tragedies of watered down women. Searching for love, no pain in this world, with no help from above.